Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbols and secrets of the major arcana, and we hope you'll join us. Be sure to check out our page at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where we have tons of behind the scenes posts and articles and extra information. While you're there, you can also become a patron. And if you become a patron, you'll get a chance to win our giveaways, like Cami in Washington, who just won last week's giveaway for the Hierophant episode. Congratulations, Cami! This week, we're talking about The Lovers, a card of doubleness and choice. So, we'll each be contributing a prize to the pot. Mel is offering an extraordinary set of twins, not one Rosetta Tarot, but two, the full-size deck and the mini. And as for me, well, because The Lovers is not only associated with choice, but with the sense of smell, as you will soon learn, I'm giving this week's winner a choice of smell, any one of the Zodiac perfumes in the Tarotista line. This is truly a magnificent set of prizes. And if you'd like a chance to win, all you got to do is sign up as a patron at the $3 level or above, and you'll be automatically entered in our drawing. And now, here is Fortune's Wheelhouse. For today's episode, we're going to start right in on The Lovers, a card that goes by a few other different names. Uh, first, it was originally in the in the Marseille decks. It was The Lover, usually representing one lover, making a choice between two different women. Uh, it was also called The Two Roads and The Ordeal. Uh, the Hermetic title, though, the hermetic titles are uh, Children of the Voice and Oracle of the Mighty Gods. And Mel has a theory. <laughs> it's only a theory. So Children of the Voice, Oracle of the Mighty Gods. I tend to first look at the path. So we see on the Tree of Life, this is the path from Binah to Tiferet. And there's the theory that the Sephirah Binah because it's the third of the three above the abyss, the three supernals, Keter, Hakma, and then Binah, that it en encapsulates all three of them as a, a triune force. Mm -hmm. So this path leading from Binah to Tiferet is, is the, where the voice comes from, and the children of the voice. So we have that voice being the origin and then the, the path going down to Tiferet, the twins. So you see in the sun card a lot, the solar twins. Um, again, in this card, we have twins or Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of think of it, the, the voice of the oracle, that voice in your heart in the Tiferet center, in the heart center comes from above, from the three supernals. And mm -hmm. I think it's it's trying to get at something to that regard. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, in terms of it being an oracle, if that has something to do with divination and Mercury being a divination god and the ruler as well of Ger Germani. <laughs> and, the, and the ruler as well of Gemini. Um, okay. What do you think? Should we do Kabbalah first since we already just mentioned it? Should we jump in there? And then what do you sure, think? Sure, if you want. I actually don't have a ton of Kabbalah material for the lovers, but but we can talk about, um, first of all, the Hebrew letter, Zayn, uh, which means, of course, sword. And wow, the sword imagery. <laughs> it just keeps on going in these cards. So um, um, well, I think it's one thing that's interesting is that the letter itself looks like a sword. Yes, if you, it does. If you look at it, it's mm -hmm. totally sword-like in shape. That it is. And uh, and there are swords forming an arch and sort of the top of the card um, overhead over the uh, priest figure and over the couple. Right, in the, in the Thoth version. Mm -hmm, in the Thoth version. Yeah, and I've heard that that's a reference to the... the the ceremony of marriage that you often see in royal and military families yeah. where they, they get married, they pass through an arch of swords oh, yeah. um, on their way to the ceremony. You know, they mm -hmm. pass under this mm -hmm. 
Right, uh, right. Sort of a triumphal arch. There's like eight or nine or 10 of them. I don't know. But uh, actually, that's reminiscent because, uh, of course, eight, nine and 10 of swords are associated with Gemini and Gemini is associated with the lovers. But we'll get to that later. You know, this is kind of um, implied, but in the weight card, this, this is Angel Raphael of the flaming sword. He hasn't got his sword there, but isn't isn't it Raphael who has the flaming sword when he drives them out of Eden? Well, maybe it is, but I actually mm-hmm. question whether that's Archangel Raphael. Oh, really? Or mm-hmm. even an angel at all. Hmm. And the reason I say that is you see various different authors saying, well, it's Raphael. No, well, it's Gabriel. Oh, no, well, that's Michael, <laughs> right? But nowhere do you see Wait say what it is. I don't believe yeah, we do anyway. I don't you can, remember if he does. You can look in the pictorial key and see, but... Yeah, um, he just a, says great winged figure. Although, I mean, it's supposed to be Raphael who was the one at the garden, wasn't it? There's another thing that I think it could be, though. If mm-hmm. you look, so, you know, Wait was a Golden Dawn man. If you look in the Golden Golden Dawn, uh, I think it's in the big brick, the Mm -hmm. Golden Dawn brick book. There's a diagram that um, is called Eden Before the Fall. And I think that this card is a picture of Eden before the fall. And in that diagram, it shows uh, the Adam and Eve figures on the tree of life. And at the very top of the tree, rather than seeing the three supernal figures, you see one winged feminine figure with a sun and a moon glyph. Hmm. Um, and that's supposed to be the Nishama, the divine feminine. Uh, yeah. That is Bina as the three supernals that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that this feminine-looking angel-like figure is actually a representation of that um, figure of the, that represents the three supernals in the Tree of Life diagram called Before the Fall, Eden Before the Fall, I think it's called. Is it a, like an altar diagram or is it, I mean, it's just it's something It's a teaching the... diagram. I, I forget for which grade, mm-hmm. um, which grade it is, but um, it's also sometimes called the Ama, the fertile mother hmm. of Bina, but it's her as all three Sephira combined. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So that could back. be with the sun at the top of the tree shining over the winged figure that represents all three. Right. Like and there, that. there is the sun in this card, which mm-hmm. it could be a tiff, Tiferet reference, but True. it could also be that figure, the sun and the moon. Now there is no moon there, but there's this cloud under it. Um, uh, yes. And there's something about the cloud that, um, makes sense, but it also, a cloud could be a lunar reference if you. It could be. I thought it was just a reference to air because Gemini. Air, yeah, but uh, it's one way of looking at it. Anthony Lewis, Tony Lewis, the astrologer, says that there's a tradition of Raphael, if it's Archangel Raphael, being a Christianized symbol of Eros. So you know he's fulfilling the same, the same function as the Eros over there. The and he's considered an archangel of healing and matchmaking. If if it were Archangel Raphael, though, that would kind of emphasize the uh, connection with temperance down the road, with the angel true. of temperance, who is thought to be Michael or Michael. Um, and just to review, the other ones in the Wade Smith deck are thought to be, so Raphael, angel of the east in the lovers, Michael, angel of the south in the temperance card, Gabriel, Gabriel, uh, angel of the west in the... In obviously in judgment, the uh, judgment, judgment card, card blowing the though, horn, Gabriel blowing the horn, yeah. Even though judgment is um, fire, and mm. Oriel uh, in the devil card, the the earth angel or fallen angel. But mm. you know that that mythology is pretty tangled. But if you want to go looking for four angel cards, they're in there. <laughs> yeah, we could we could say that, and I think maybe we'll also put that diagram up that, oh, that yeah, we're that's referring a good idea. to up on the website so that you can see that diagram and decide for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, what else have we got here for Kabbalah? Well, I don't see any more specific sword references unless mm-hmm. you want to consider just very abstractly the fact that for 
for every sword there is a sheath <laughs> so to speak <laughs> well yes and there is a uh, the the two twins at the base of the thoth card there's a chalice and a lance right so you know they didn't you need to you need to have them both <laughs> right and the card the 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 message of this card is said to be to analyze and synthesize. So divide first, whatever your situation, your thoughts are, mm-hmm. you're considering into e- each of the separate parts. And then this is getting a little into alchemy. And only then do you place these disparate parts into the alembic and let them mm-hmm. ferment and synthesize into the next step of the mm-hmm. equation. I think that that if we want to go into the astrology stuff next, that's well reflected in the connection with the sign of Gemini, the doubleness of the mind. Um, so yeah, so Gemini. Crowley says about this card that in the formulation of any idea, it creates its contradiction. <laughs> nice. And to also see, he says to also see Atu One, which is the Magus, the Mercury, the ruler mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Gemini. Right, right. Right. And there's some of that, you know, inherent contradiction of ideas that we talked about when we talked about the, the role of the ape of Thoth to mm-hmm. follow the Magus and remind him of the inherent twist, the twistiness of, the word. of, word, of mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And in terms of the decans associated with the levers, uh, we've got the eight, nine, and ten of swords, uh, uh, all Gemini cards, and I was saying to Mel, I, I can't, I can't look at them without laughing. They're just they're, over the top. It's just um, so much drama. As I said, "Woe is me." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I think it's very interesting to consider in the light of this being associated with the lovers card, because mm. people think of the lovers card as this intensely positive somehow card but there's so much more to the story than that so so let's look a little bit at those minors and see if we can get to why it doesn't work (laughs) out the way you think in in these minor cards so the very first card is the eight of swords the first decan of gemini quote-unquote best of the three (laughs) probably because it's jupiter in gemini the greater benefic and you know and so the 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 eight of swords is known as the lord of interference or the lord of shortened force uh which i think is such a great name so we have the wheel of fortune up against the lovers and you would think with two cards like that it would be awesome, right? You would think. Yeah, but it's almost as if they're tangling with each other rather than... Yeah, the the eight really surprises me too because you'd think in Hode that the, mm-hmm. the lovers would be comfortable. You would and think yet so. there's, there's still a blockage there. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I guess because it's lower down and off center of the tree, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of think that the story here has to do with... I mean, the act of choice that's implied in the lovers and the notion of fate that's implied in the Wheel of Fortune do not sit easily together. That's true, right. right. You know, I think of this as fate versus fortune. And, you know, on your card in the Tabula Mundi, it's so perfect because I always thought of it as the snagged bobbin, like in a sewing machine. <laughs> yeah, it does you know, look like that. Like, yeah. you know, the idea that you're going along and then things get stuck and yep. in your card you have the wheel and the thread of the wheel wrapped around it and you know they're both the two figures are pulling on it so i think that there's you know with this card you always have this feeling of frustration that you can't do the thing that you want to mm. and sometimes i tell people you know it's like a virus just wait it out you know it's it's a sense of paralysis it's, and the way out is also to, to use your mind. Use your mind. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Pu- puzzle it out. Right. It, it may not be fast as you would like. Well, it's interesting thinking of the lovers as a sword. It's almost like you have to cut through the ropes, you mm. know, uh, of the of the wheel of fortune instead of allowing them to get you further and further caught up. And what um, it's it's interesting to think of that first uh, Deccan of Gemini as the moment where things are split into two, 
you know, where your perception opens mm. up into like black and white. Right. And or like I have on the card, the male and the female, the lunar and the solar. Yeah. And the, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. The dual nature. And, and that that perception of being able to perceive that is a gift. So, you know, if you think about the lovers as having maybe something to do with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, or the, the that moment in Eden where your eyes are opened, it's almost like you're taking in the information. Uh, it's Jupiter. There's so much information. You're flooded with these binaries and the knowledge of good and evil and shame, and you cannot focus, you know. So for me, often this turns out to be a card of right. distraction as much right. as it is. There's the expansion of Jupiter, but it's all yeah. at once, kind it's of. It's all at once, and it's, you know, scattered and, um, and you know, and shortened force. So it's, you know, you have the force, but it can't go anywhere. Mm. It's not. But ultimately, Focus. you know, because of the Jupiter nature, there's, you know, ultimately, if you persevere, you get you can get, you get through, through it. it. Yeah, and I think I think there's sort of a little bit of a sense of that in the weight card, the idea that nobody's guarding you. Right. You know? She's very loosely bound. She yeah. could easily wriggle out of. You're that. not going to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whereas, you know, we get to the the nine of swords is Mars and Gemini, you know, the, the lesser malefic. <laughs> and right. it's already starting to feel like, you know, very harsh, very bad news. Right. right? This It's the Lord of despair or the Lord of cruelty. You know, I kind of think of it as, you know, in the one card, in the wake card, it shows the person looking like they're waking up from a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And in the other uh, curly card, we've got the swords dripping venom and, and blood and <laughs> in one of my own decks, and it's the Rosetta deck. Mm -hmm. the The swords are the you know kind of like symbolically the teeth of this gaping mouth. Yeah, and there's yeah. so there's the mouth it's reference the jaws for of for yeah the jaws <laughs> of Dees, the, the the Mars, the Tower, the mouth reference. Yeah. yeah, and also like that voice in your head that says cruel things. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. that tells you. You're that no keeps good you from and, sleeping. Or, yeah, right. <laughs> tells you things are horrible and that you're horrible and or, or yeah. you know says just all your demons. words of despair and cruelty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I And Gemini being associated with talking and, and mm -hmm. voice, so mm -hmm. and again this theme of the lovers being associated with the sword. So we use the sword to cut the ropes of fate in the eight of swords and in the nine of swords, we're turning it on ourselves or mm. something. Yeah. So I'm gonna read this is so great in Thirty Six Faces, which uh is Austin Coppock's book, which I obviously love because we talk yeah, about I, it all I, the time. It it's yeah, great. it's great. So he talks about um he talks about this this Deccan as, again, these themes of twinning in, in Gemini, which we see throughout uh, the joys and horrors of duality, he says. But specifically when you talk about Mars, Mars's rulership of this Deccan or Mars in this Deccan, he has a separate section where it says, Mars in this Deccan is excellent for curses whose object is to destroy a person's reputation. Um, a talisman impressed with Mars in this face would quicken the tongue and the mind, especially for strategic purposes. Mm -hmm. However, when worn, it is likely to reduce empathy and may stress the nervous system. You know, so we have the speed of Mercury who rules Ge Gemini, but in this, you know, kind of toxic, uh, cruel way, mm. you know. Um, it's interesting also that of the, all the nines, this is the only one that's, you know, really negative. All the nines are usually, you know, the mm -hmm. middle pillar, very balanced. Yeah. But well, something, somehow mm -hmm. the, you know, the subconscious force of the moon and Yisod kind of doesn't jibe well with the the mental Perhaps uh, so, yeah. Faculties, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I mean, even in the, the weight card is a little bit more negative. It's got the guy with the Band-Aid on his head uh, for the Nine of Wands, sorry. Um, you know, so there's yeah, strength, I suppose but you it's think a defensive, that, yeah, broken, you think of it as you know, veteran strength. I, I yeah, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of it more from the both perspective. Which is this of, wonderful yeah, card yeah. of strength generally. Right, yeah. Right. And I think that, I, I mean, I think of Nines as being sort of this, the, the suit reaches its peak potential. Pen know. penultimate. Yeah, the penultimate. <laughs> it's sort of like the moment before overripeness, before turning mm. your attention to the next generation and recycling the energy of the suit. But, you know, there's something about this mental process in the sword's journey that leads to 
overthinking and fanaticism, which mm-hmm. we see in the Ten of Swords, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of like, I've thought myself into a corner, I can go no further. So in the Thoth card, the card of ruin, you, you have the, uh, as you so often do in 10 cards, you have a tree of life, whereas you have in the, you know, in the 10 of discs, you have both in the weight and thought, you have this sort of uh, abundant tree of life or wealthy tree of life. And in the 10 of cups, you have it sort of spilling forth. Uh, in the 10 of swords, they, the swords are wrecked. They're yeah, just like they're broken. They're ruined. Yeah. Yeah. Woe is me. Yeah. I mean, you still see the, you know, the image of the tree, but it's, but it's a distorted, broken image. And then, of course, the Wade card. Oh, my God. So here's our <laughs> Sir Thomas More is supposed to be, I've heard, the martyr uh, making making the sign of benediction in his right hand, lying face down, face planted with, you know, in porcupine mode, <laughs> his ten swords stuck in his back. This card, I always make a point of showing it to people before I do a reading mm. and saying, you know, I don't want you to be surprised by this and explaining some of the meanings it might have other than homicide. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I like that, you know, the whole darkest hour before the dawn. And they, you know, they're both have a kind of glimmer of sun in Mm -hmm. the background. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and they're both... It's the sun in the decan, and it's right, right before the renewal of the solstice, you know, the, exactly. the high point. Yeah. So it is kind of like the dark point before that high point. It is. Know? So the sun uh, the, the sun is the ruler of the decan, the mm-hmm. third decan right. of Gemini. Right. And then that's the last decan right before the first decan of Cancer in which the summer right. solstice Which is the card falls. of love. Which is the card of love. Right. So right. there's a, like a sense of hope on the horizon, if you mm-hmm. will, after all his gotten has degraded and uh, mm-hmm. seemingly hopeless as could be there's a light yeah <laughs> ahead. and maybe there's also a sense that um you know the sun does not do well in the sign of the twins in the sign of division and duality because the sun is this sort of um you know, singular. So interesting, force. though. Yeah, because the sun itself the has twins. the solar twins in yeah. the association with Mercury. Well, so you would think so this that is, it could be compatible. This is uh, something that there's always in these twin myths the, an implied death of mm. one of the twins. So, yeah. like, you know, Castor and Pollux, Cain whichever, and Abel. Cain and Abel, right. So, I think that's what we see in here the idea that one of them must go, you know, or that you have to make a choice in the lovers. You know, mm-hmm. and this is the moment of you know the loss of those other possibilities. Or yeah, those... something has to end. Mm-hmm. Something has to come to an end. Yeah, you know, and that's also with the lovers. It seems compatible to me with the twin imagery. You know, the idea that we 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 have twins repeated in various forms in both of these cards. Um, in the um in the book of the law, there's a great quote that reminds of this card it says uh i think it's Nuit speaking saying for i am divided for love's sake for the chance of union <laughs> right right and it's it this is the part where they cleave apart with the sword and then come together again in temperance right yeah so the, the, and uh, temperance is the uh sense of tempering the forging of the sword right right when the sword is plunged into the whatever icy water the fire and or water, the fire and water. M- meeting mm-hmm. exactly um and we actually have some pretty pretty compelling references to all of that in the thoth card where the there's that figure you know hovering over of them over them and um I can't remember whether Crowley actually says so, says that it's the hermit, but there's definitely some connection with that yeah, figure in the it, hermit. Yeah, it's, he's supposed to be the hermit, and he's also supposed to be associated with, so we have all three um, alchemical elements here. We right. have the hermit as uh, fixed mercury, mm-hmm. alchemical mercury, and then we have the emperor and empress as the two figures below um, right. as sulfur and salt. So you have the triune right, uh, acting together chemical symbolism here. Right. And the hermit, of course, is associated with Virgo ruled by Mercury. And so we have all three of them together. The hermit in this card also, if you if you notice his hand gesture. Ah, uh, yeah. So in the 
you know, the original Golden Dawn book tea descriptions of the cards, it's funny, they mentioned that they're above that with the lover's figure, there's supposed to be an, a third figure, and they say, in the sign of Osiris risen. But that's not what this sign is and what Crowley's doing here. That's the sign of entering, Horus, the sign of entering, like, projecting creation yes. outward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And neither is that sign of um, Osiris risen, which is the arms crossed across the chest in Waits' card, um, the angel there has its arms outspread. Um, hmm. So it's, I just thought that was interesting that uh, that neither of these cards uses that traditional posture of that's described in Book T. Hmm. That is interesting. Um, so the sign of the enderer being the one where you have your hands up by your ears and then yeah, you sort of push project, forward. Push them out forward, yeah. Through, well, probably the pentagram in the yeah. lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram, we do that, right? Okay. And it's also possible that the hermit isn't making the sign of the enterer just because his his body posture seems a little more static than that and rather than th- thrusting forward so much. So it occurred to me that it could also be the sign of, you know, rending the veil. So there's the sign of spirit where spirit active is you start with your hands together and then open them apart like you're parting a curtain and you end with your hands kind of in the position that he has there, which makes sense to me in the sense of uh, the sword and the parting, the mm-hmm. rending of the veil, mm-hmm. the division, the idea of dividing something in order to activate spirit and create this uh, right. This division being a stage. Yeah, yeah. The, the lover's card has this, you know, real real theme of differentiation yeah cell division vive la difference okay and uh and i also think it's kind of just interesting that because we're facing head-on and looking at him through (laughs) head-on doing that sign it puts such an emphasis on the arms which are associated associated with gemini Gemini. that's interesting yeah and another thing to notice is that his hands are actually over the heads of the two figures as if he's blessing them in the marriage ceremony Mm. in a sense yeah i can see that and also hand yod hermit Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm the um then then there's the Mobius strip that's yes. around his his arms. What is that? Um, I mean, why? Well, I don't know exactly, but I think I read um, it might have been Thoth that it's, that it said that it's the twisting of the supernal words. Oh, really? So beyond our comprehension, as they come to us, mm. something like that. There's also. Um, Above the head of the hermit or hooded figure, there's, um, well, it's interesting, there's a, uh, there's a little Cupid or mm-hmm. Eros, which is, of course, a reference back to the one that you see in the Marseille, some versions of the Marseille deck, where he's, you know, pointing his arrow towards one of the women that the lover is choosing between, but... Um, but also bow and arrow, reference to Sagittarius, reference right. to temperance, again. That so the axis of Gemini, Sagittarius, Gemini, Sagittarius. being opposite signs and thus mm-hmm. having a relationship. And the lovers and temperance having that relationship of divide and coagulate. The Cupid or Eros figure is also a Mercury reference as well, because that's the son of Aphrodite and Hermes. Oh, okay, good, good, good. So good. Hermes being a Mercury yeah. Right. Mercury figure. Nice. And then if you look at the arrow, the arrow is kind of pointing off as if from Keter to Hakma. Yes. Um, another supernal reference that is supposed to be indicative of the the first Yod in mm-hmm. the divine name is supposed to be mainly in Hakma. But the tip, the very tip of the letter, it's like a little flame-shaped letter, is supposed mm-hmm. to re- reside in Keter. Huh. So there's... Um, it could also, you know, same vector as uh, Bina to Tiferet. <laughs> right. Stretch, but that's what we're here for. <laughs> and then there's the whole downward arrow from uh, from there. And then 
Do you see at the bottom of the card, there's a bow underneath the Orphic egg? Oh, there's yeah. a bow. And then the lance is symbolically the arrow of that bow, and it's pointing upward. So again, you that. have the upward yeah. arrow mm-hmm. and downward arrow symbolism. Mm-hmm. And it's another reference to, I think, the temperance mm-hmm. or art, art card. I can see that. And while we're on the um, the that alchemical reference, we should probably talk about the red line and the white eagle. Uh, pity we're we're kind of giving giving the Wade Smith lovers short shrift, but it just doesn't have as much well, of we, that stuff. Actually, there's, a, there, there's one thing in the Wade Smith card that we didn't talk about yet, and those are the two trees. I mean, yes. obviously, the one on the left is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. and the one on the right is the tree of life. So. We didn't talk much about that, but I think it's also that those two trees and the positions in the card are indicative of the the pillars, the pillars of severity and mercy, Mm -hmm. the pillar of mercy being for the tree of life and the pillar of severity being the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's on Eve's side, you notice. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's it's interesting that the tree of life itself, you know, it's got 12 um flames on it of a, of a sort. I've seen them re I've seen them referred to as fruit, but they really do look like flames and when we see 12, we always think of the zodiac. Mm. Um kind of wish it were 10. <laughs> so it right. could be a 10 you know, a tree of life with Well, 10 I fruit. actually saw I think it was in um Wang's book, he mm-hmm. refers to the tree of life as having 14 um, emanations, not on this. He's, he wasn't referring to this card. Mm-hmm. He was referring, he had this other diagram of the tree of life and it had 14 emanations, I guess you'd call it, but it was seven were above and seven were below. So the roots had seven mm. and the upper part had seven. And what that diagram showed was that it was the sun with the other planet the six planets around mm-hmm. so making the seven the seven planets mm-hmm. and that they were reflected on the bottom of that as being um what seven palaces of asia yeah something mm-hmm. something like that something yeah like that. yeah so anyway mm-hmm. but that's uh 14 mm-hmm. another <laughs> thing it could have been but yet it was, was not yet another reference to temperance right. maybe very very uh well blinded <laughs> right say. right Right. So we could still talk about the alchemical lion and eagle. eagle. That's one more thing. Mm -hmm. So the red line, of course, which we'll see again in two episodes. um, The red line is the refined version of the green line. um, The idea that you work on the natural material of the green line to create uh, this next stage, the red line. And, um, and we have the white eagle. Um, so the red line represents the fire element, and the white eagle represents the uh, water element. Do we also see? You them could as- also say lunar and solar yes, as well. Lunar and solar, or positive and negative, or love under will, <laughs> or blood and gluten. Mm-hmm, yes, or uh, what Leo and Scorpio? I guess. Uh, do we yeah. do that with this? I mean, it is fire and water. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I don't really think of them that way mm. myself, but mm. I could see how that could be. Um, yeah. I mean, we see the white possible. eagle uh, also. Uh, one thing I didn't really look into is what the the white child on the left is holding. Is that uh, roses. roses? White roses? Roses, and the other one's holding a club. Oh, okay. Phallic reference. Yes. The, the lance and the club <laughs> on one the, side, and the and cup and the roses on the other. Okay, well, so that's more not male, obvious female. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Okay, and then we have our our cosmic egg. We do indeed, which we have to have every time. It right, seems. I think it's 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 more of that reference for you know you, you divide up things and then you put them in the the vessel mm-hmm. and then so the egg is the the vessel that they go into to ripen. I think Curly says know your polarities and then <laughs> let them rest or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. comprehend your contradictions which again speaks kind of to the theme the old theme of this card is choice yeah 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 yeah. it does i mean and the mental cutting away of the options and also um there's the 
so many myths of twins that go with this, like Cain and Abel, the idea that Abel had to be uh, slain or that Cain slew Abel as mm. a sort of, uh, you know, there's always one twin that that gets <laughs> that gets eliminated when there are twins in this in the sort of mythical story of Castor and Pollux. Wasn't Cain the I read somewhere, I don't know if it was Crowley or if this is the traditional thing, mm-hmm. that Cain was the child of Eve and the serpent. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Rather than mm-hmm. even Adam, mm-hmm. the other child. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Don't know. Okay. I read that somewhere. I think it might have been Crowley's writings. Mm-hmm. And we also have the myth of Castor and Pollux, where Castor was the mortal one right, and Pollux right. was the immortal yeah, one. Yeah, yet another And when Pollux Gemini dies, then Castor right. gives up his immortality and they both right. go. So for those listeners mm-hmm. who don't know, that's in the constellation of Gemini, mm-hmm. Castor and Pollux, the stars are, are, are the there in that constellation. And did you know they were actually not just twins, but quads? Apparently, Leda also had Helen and Clytemnestra, you know, um, which was also, you know, not the happiest story. <laughs> no, not really. Um, let's see. Uh, another thing that we could talk about when it comes to the path is I always like to look at the op. So we've talked about the opposite signs, Sagittarius and Gemini, and that access, temperance, and Mm-hmm. the lovers, but also the opposite path. Now, mm. I use the Thoth attribution where the opposite path to this is that other diagonal coming out of Tiferet and going up to on the other side, which would be the star card. Mm. And so if you think, okay, so what what ties the star card to the lover's card? Where can you see any um, parallels or or opposites? Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I notice is that so in the star card, you also have the lunar and the solar forces as she's pouring from the golden cup and the silver cup. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was an interesting just kind of way to think, one way to think on it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, if you're talking about that path, now you oblige me to do the other uh, version of it, which is uh, the emperor, of course, would be the alternate version of that path. It's either emperor or star on that opposite diagonal from Tiferet to Chachmah. And uh, since I haven't given this even five seconds thought, <laughs> I will I will try and wing it. But I guess if there were to be parallels, I mean, you can, again, look, again, look at the um, red eagle of the emperor as sort of, you know, appear, appearing again in the lovers. Um, and we also have the, um, oh, what am I going to say? Oh, da, 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 da. I'm just thinking if there's any sort of obvious way to relate them. Um, well, whether or not you use the emperor or or the star there, you're still using the uh, attribution of hey, correct? That's correct, right? yeah, so, either way. So you have hey, the window. Hey, either way. And you, <laughs> so you have hey, the window on one side, and you have uh, Zion, the sword, on the other. And that could be yet another, you know, uh, male-female reference. I guess, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, could go that. there. There's that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still, I, I still think the star fits better there, but that's just my personal preference. So we'll, we'll takes just, we all can, kinds. We can. Uh, that'll be the one thing through all this we agree to disagree on. Yes, yes. Well, we'll probably have um, if we ever get to courts. I'm having sort of a crisis of attribution in the courts, so we'll have to talk about that later. I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, see. I think another thing that's um, interesting to note about either of these cards is that this is the first card on the fool's journey where he relates to another figure. It's the first card with more than one figure on it. Although Crowley says the ape in, in the magician doesn't count because he is but a shadow. So this Mm -hmm. is actually the first card with more than one actual figure. So here the fool meets uh, the other. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, meets and sees. 
and smells because this is associated with the sense of smell. <laughs> uh, Which yes. you know, this is that's I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> you smell other <laughs> other people means smell. <laughs> well, sorry. so that's okay. That's a cabalistic thing, I think, because it, it the way it worked was that the uh, the five senses are implied in uh, in the single letters. So, for mm. example, you know with with the emperor, we had the sense of sight. Um, with the hierophant, we had the sense of hearing. And with mm. the lovers, we have the sense of smell, um, which just makes sense because yeah. of the air reference. You know, this Although is- I think it could... It should be. I wish it was hearing because of the, vo- <laughs> the children of the yeah, voice and that hearing. That would be nice. <laughs> so for smell, I, it always makes me think of the the limbic brain and mm. the way that smell can trigger thoughts and memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this being a, a card of the mind, Gemini, the an air card, mm-hmm. perhaps that's also appropriate. That's what I was thinking exactly. It's also the first mutable uh, sign we've encountered That's so true. far in, in our journey. So Gemini, we've done Aries, we've done Taurus, um, a cardinal sign and a fixed sign. This is the first mutable sign we've come to. So if anyone's listening isn't already aware what those modalities are, so cardinal signs are, they occur in the beginning of the season. So every season of the year is divided up into, you know, portions. The cardinal signs are the, the inrush, the beginning energy. They're initiating the, the, the force of the sign, um, or of the season where the fixed signs are the, the linchpins, the, the, the very solid and stable energy at the middle of the season and then the um, mutable signs are where the energy has sort of uh, refined itself perfected itself and is then moving away Um, so should I tell my story of the cardinal mutable and fixed and the boulder do you know that story no I don't know that story it's a great story okay so um so there's 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 three people walking down a road a cardinal a mutable and a fixed and um is this like a joke, like three people walk into a bar? <laughs> I've got one of those for you later. Great. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and they encounter a giant boulder, which has fallen into the road. What do we do? So the cardinal, the cardinal person has like a, you know, tackle and gear and like pythons and, or however you say that. And, and, uh, is totally psyched about this enormous challenge that's just interposed itself in his journey. So he throws his grappling hook over the boulder, you know, jumps over to the top of the boulder, jumps down, yoo-hoo, and he's over, and he's gone. Okay, the the fixed, let's call him a Taurus, why don't we? <laughs> the fixed uh, gets a giant drill and a crew of you know, 17 people and drills a hole through I'm the rock. It takes, move you, baby. <laughs> it takes seven years, <laughs> but eventually there's a hole in the rock and uh, <laughs> through he goes. And then there's the mutable. The mutable is our favorite because we're both mutables. The mutable just walks around. <laughs> so that sums it up nicely. That's pretty much it, you know. Um, yeah. So you, the idea being with mutable energy that you just you just move on. You're all about the closure and getting to the next place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wrap up one thing. And let's. What's next? It's always what's next. <laughs> it's always what's next. You are a mutable ra- married to a fixed, and I am a mutable married to a fixed, and there are definitely some patterns with that. <laughs> yes, there let's are. go, let's go, let's go. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> it reminds me of that cartoon with, um, do you ever see the, the big bulldog and the little dog, and the little dog's <laughs> running circles around the bulldog saying, come on, Spike, come on, come on, let's go, come on, Spike. We're good, we're good, we're good. Let's go. And he just sta- stands there, just. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, Well, we have, we've done alchemy. um, Numbers I'd like to talk about a little bit. Oh, yes, there's some things we can say about numbers. Well, first of all, number six. 
How great is number six? Great. Right. A Tiferet reference. Tiferet reference and the union of fire and water. Right. Um, So if you look at the six-pointed star, it's got the upright triangle and the downward-facing triangle. And for those who don't know, merging together, the the lovers. The triangle is the symbol of fire and the downward triangle is the symbol of water. And you put them together and there you have um, the Star of David, uh, the symbol of union. Um, between fire and, and water. And it's also a reference to, so the downward tri- triangle is a symbol of Binah, and this is the path from Binah to Tifereth, from the mother to the sun. Uh, yeah. So the sun mm-hmm. being the upward triangle and the mother being the downward triangle. And the mother and, also being the daughter, so it's <laughs> like that. Yep, there's that, that whole, whole parallel thing going on there. Um, and also what's kind of interesting is to consider in that light the idea of the devil as a parallel card, devil number mm-hmm. 15, uh, reflecting number Number six. Uh, if you reduce 15, it turns into six. And right. of course, there are these amazing parallels, especially in the Wade Smith deck in, between in the, the imagery. Lovers. Both decks mm-hmm. actually Both have, actually, have yeah. uh, the f- two figures. Or, That's right. Although That's, Crowley does it mm-hmm. in a very phallic way. <laughs> because he's <laughs> Crowley. <laughs> which we'll find out when we get to the devil in several weeks. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and, the, uh, and the Wade one where they're explicitly um, mirrored. Mm. Uh, with the, you know, with the same sort of uh, angelic figure above and the and the people below. Oh, one thing mm-hmm. um, we didn't really mention, I think, in in Crowley's card, uh, the two the two figures um, at the top of the card. So we have Eve and Lilith. Mm-hmm. Did we talk yes. about those? We haven't yet, but that's a really good. It's almost sort of a carryover from the Marseille, you know, the idea of choice, uh, Lilith being the first wife. And Rachel Pollock, who's, who's wonderful talk on the Raziel tarot I was just uh, listening to earlier today nearby here, uh, she says that she was just telling that story of how Lilith was was the first wife and she she refused to submit to Adam. She would not lie down um, and allow Adam to be on top and she just left. And so, you know, and thereby <laughs> thereby becoming a, a an icon of feminism for generations to come. You know, so we can also think of those two figures as uh, the choice that Adam makes, if we're going to look at it from Adam's point of view. And I've also heard them referred to as, you know, Eve being the force of taming love, whereas Lilith is more untamed sex. (laughs) Um, And then I've heard also uh, that they are both Ama and Ama. So Ama is the fertile mother, which mm-hmm. would be Eve, mm-hmm. and Lilith would be Ama, the barren mother. Interesting. And the difference between those two words is the letter I, which mm. is the Yod. The Yod <laughs> right. makes the mother right. fertile, fertile. Uh, from Ooh, the barren <laughs> mother to the to the fertile mother. And there is the myth that um, if a man you know, lies with someone who is not his wife or even thinks of someone who is not his wife while having sex with his wife, he creates demons. And succubus yeah, mythology. Yeah, exactly. A lot of incentives to to not step out. <laughs> there's also, you know, there's another numeric reference, which is kind of interesting um, in that Zion is actually the seventh letter since we started with zero going up to um, six. And that actually means that it's the seventh letter. And there is a reference in the pictorial key uh, that Waite wrote. He says that I think it's almost the first thing he says in the lover's section. He says, oh, yeah, no, it's the last thing he says in the lover's section. In a very high sense, the card is a mystery of the covenant and Sabbath. So there's this idea of the Sabbath wrapped up in this card, the seventh day, uh, the seventh letter, and the idea um, in Judaism that to make love or to have sex on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, is a holy thing. It's um, something you're supposed to do. <laughs> okay. Supposedly. <laughs> when when you said seven in reference to this card, the first thing that popped into my head is uh, when you look at an astrology chart, the first house and seventh house axis, the uh, seventh yeah. house being the other. And the this other, is where right. the fool first meets the other on his journey. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Right. Seven having a particular value in systems of 12. Oh, uh, 
by the way, I we didn't talk about the fact that there is uh, the lion and the serpent. Um, is there really? Yeah, I don't Can't know. This is it. this is David Hulse. So we always like you know kind of take David Hulse. Um, observations with a grain of salt but do, you can't see it here here you see so look, look there's like the a, actual card the more yeah the more you look at it the more it kind of we, we have a, we have a little we actually um, have the actual cards here print out of the card and it wasn't mm-hmm. i couldn't see it in that and you can't see here i'm gonna circle it for you so here i looked at that i don't see and it here is the see the, the the serpent has its mouth wide open it's like biting okay it doesn't really look it's like it's not very well drawn but you know, I don't buy it, but okay. <laughs> anyway, so, what do you want to say about it? Or what does uh, David Hulse have to say well, about it? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just, a, you know, the serpent is another form of the eagle of Scorpio. And if we're if we're talking Scorpio but here. But why would we have Scorpio well, in this again, card? No, I mean, just Leo Scorpio thing from the lion and the eagle. If we're going mm. with that, I know you would rather it be Leo Aquarius, but... You know, there's the Leo Aquarius is nice because it's opposites. Leo Scorpio, it's fixed opposite elements. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes when people interpret the little squiggles in the Waite Smith deck as being something, I don't always think it's yeah, actually yeah. there. It's just, you know, I on the but other But it could hand, be. Sometimes it is. do it that way? You know, True. it's like, that is not the way. I work with fabric and fabric doesn't fall that way. Well. So. <laughs> I don't know. She didn't draw very well. Yeah, that's possible too. One thing I did want to say was, um, oh, oh, the bees. We've got the bees, oh, bees. on yeah. the um, the robes of the two mm-hmm. figures in Crowley's card mm-hmm. from the Emperor and Empress card. Nice. So, um, so that's something that you do in your lover's card, which I love. You bring the emperor and empress explicitly together. And I guess that's what he's doing here. Yes. I mean, does he, did he also? What he's doing there, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And bees, you know, I think we might have talked about this in a separate episode, but bees being both simultaneously lunar and solar. Mm-hmm. So bees, you know, they, they gather their nectar with the sun but yet they're also lunar in the sense that you know 99% of the hive is female mm-hmm. all the workers and the queen and they're ruled by a queen so they yeah, they're both I mean there's a bees bee on... is a lunar and a solar creature that's why both the empress and the and the emperor can take the bee as I don't see a bee on emblem. the emperor though Mel I see a serpent Oh really? Yeah. I think those are penises. <laughs> of course they are. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they. Kind oh, and of... I seen uh, something I didn't see before. The uh, there's a dove on the cup. Is there really? There is. Yeah. Oh, I think. Well, why wouldn't there be? <laughs> there's always a descending a downward dove. Descending dove. <laughs> More descending dove. This is probably the third time. I think so. Time I we've run so. into that yeah. so far, and we're yeah. only at the beginning. That's right. I think we're down Have to Have we gotten the, to colors yeah, and scents? I think scents we've gotten to... Oh, colors. We and, haven't done um, colors yet. Right. Okay, colors. So... So this is the third sign that we've encountered, and so we're at orange. So you can <laughs> see there's... a in, in Crowley's card especially, there's a lot of orange because that's the king scale color. Um, then we have the, the mauve color, which is... I call this card and the colors of this card Dunkin' Donuts colors because we we've got the the pinky mauve and the orange uh, together, yeah. and yeah, it reminds me of this kind of funny story. And I hope no Gemini's will get offended because, it, um, you know how we were talking about how the the Magus um distorts how words can be distorted, mm-hmm. and often that's a trait of Gemini that they can purposely or not purposely exaggerate or dis- distort the word. Mm-hmm. They're um, wordsmiths. Right, mm-hmm. wordsmiths. They can twist their words. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, I n- know someone who works at a Dunkin' Donuts and <laughs> often being asked questions by the customers such as, how's the chicken salad? <laughs> to which... 
the chicken salad at Dunkin' Donuts. Now we're we're never going to get any sponsorship from Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> based on what I'm about to say, but um, the employees won't eat it. At least the ones that I've ever met. <laughs> and when asked how's the chicken salad, one that I know said that her answer is always it's very popular. <laughs> nice. Which it must nice. be considering they sell gallons of it across the world every there day. Um, so it's very popular. So if you're ever at a restaurant and you ask how something is and they say it's very popular, <laughs> don't get it. <laughs> anyway, the colors. So Dunkin' Color. Donuts colors. We've got orange <laughs> and mauve. And then... I will never look at this card the same way again. <laughs> and there's like, there's also some coffee colors on right. there too. <laughs> and then we've got a yellow, um, yellow, yellow, yellow. yellow Yellow leather, yellow or something. leather, and then the—it's uh, basically the color of a work glove before you've used it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then um, the princess scale is the, the mauve, but with gray mixed into it, so it's like mm-hmm. a gray, a grayish mauve, I guess you mm-hmm. would call it. I forget the exact name. And um, because it's orange, the primary—is it orange because? of having something to do with mercury or it's just because that's the sign the third sign well it's probably not a coincidence yeah it's sort of when you that's say where the third, it falls you know so aries yeah. we have the red and then taurus we have the red orange and then gemini we have orange so going down the, right. the scale the king right. scale follows the rainbow through this 12 signs. But not through the planets and elements no, necessarily. but through the 12 signs. Ah, the through the 12 signs. The scales have fallen from my eyes. The color <laughs> scales have. I was wondering about, I was actually looking at the chart this morning and saying, where is the rhyme and reason? It should just go red, orange, yellow, and it sort of does, but it doesn't, but it's because, because it goes of the planets, through the 12 right, signs. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So anyway, the orange in the king scale would be Mm -hmm. for the sign of Gemini, but orange is also probably not coincidentally a color of Hode and Mercury. Mercury, (laughs) that's right, which is, uh, as we've said, um, I think with the, with the magician card, that that means that on the musical scale, it would be, um, D, it would be the note D because, uh, we start with C, which is red, and then we're up to, D, which is orange for Mercury, um, and for the magician and the lovers. Um, okay, I brought lavender because lavender is associated with Mercury, but the smell that is really supposed to go with the lovers is wormwood. Here you go. Artemisia, as you were saying. Artemisia family, yes. The, um, the, well, interestingly enough, um, Artemisia wormwood is, was the sort of, Infamous ingredient in absinthe, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, the 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 source of the thujone that caused people to either go blind or go mad or whatever it was that they thought it did, but which didn't actually. It was just that they were drinking so much of it that they had alcohol poisoning. <laughs> but anyway, so the story with the wormwood is that um, I tried to use it in my Gemini perfume, which I really wanted to be kind of a light and airy perfume, and. Uh, one drop of wormwood went in, and then I said, okay, fine, I will build the rest of this formula on top of this, and I just kept adding stuff and adding stuff to try and make it smell nice, and no matter what I did, I could just smell wormwood. So mm. there you go. I had to start all over again without the wormwood. It reminds me of a, a cook that I know who worked in a commercial kitchen, and he had to make a large pot of soup. Um, and added too much cayenne pepper to it. And so he decided he had the bright idea, well, I'll just make it into two pots of soup. And it didn't, it, oh, the no. pepper was still too strong. So um, I, I walked through the kitchen and every, he, this was a commercial kitchen with like, you know, 12 burners. Every burner on the stove had a giant pot of soup cooking on it because he had tried to thin it and thin it. And it was still too hot oh, to serve. God. He had like 12, wow. like huge industrial size <laughs> pots of soup going. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be the cook that you're married was, to, would it? No, it is not that cook. It was one of his employees. <laughs> wow. Poor guy. I won't that mention must it. Have been but terrible. We, we teased him a lot about that over the years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what but anyway, Wormwood's yeah. probably that strong. Wormwood is that strong. The and- cayenne of of smells. <laughs> I can't think of a way to use it. I mean, do you want some wormwood? <laughs> Help yourself. No, I have I have tons of wormwood growing uh, growing right? in yeah. the garden because it, Does it, it multiplies. Does it smell like this? 
Yes. Exactly like that? Well, much? Or herbally, similarly, yeah. yeah, it's very potent. I used to grow another plant in the Artemisia family, Sweet Annie. Do you know oh. that one? And it's very like frothy. Yeah, I do. And yeah, I you do. can make yeah. wreaths out Pretty. of it. Pretty, yeah. Oh, my God. I'd get such a headache working with it that <laughs> it was mm. really potent stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, so we've seen a lot of things in this card. We've seen... Um, Imagery relating to choice. We've seen imagery uh, relating to twins, um, and uh, and I think all of that is very much in line with the way people interpret the lovers. What's always interesting to me is that you know people who are relatively new to tarot tend to instantly uh, attach themselves to the idea that this is a romance card, you mm. know. And the longer you've been with tarot, it seems the less that seems to be the case and it you know you seem to gravitate more towards the issues of choice and division mm-hmm. and uh interestingly enough but um but but i also think that coming i don't know over time i've come, kind of come back round to the idea that the romantic aspect and the sexual aspect and the choice and division and uh, binary aspects they're all they're all pretty much the same right you know? Yeah, they're all right part of the, the chemical yeah. marriage in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Divide okay. in order to bind. Divide in order to bind. That's true. I mean, you know, in a way, just in terms of real life, when you have two people, there's that idea of the, the, the platonic idea, is it, of soulmates where there's, you know, people were originally, you know, a being with the eight twin limbs, flame. the twin flame, mm-hmm. and that, you know, you have your separate parts, and then you have to find each other. And then, you know, there's this one correct match for you, or one person who's exactly like uh, your, your, your other part, your other half, you know, and I think there's, there is that very sort of dangerous idea that people have that there's just somebody else that's exactly the right one for you, which is really bad for a lot of people. But I think it's, there's, there's more truth to the idea that we get with separation and division in this card that you need to be two separate people in order to choose each other, you know? Right. Right. Okay. On that cheery note, um, we, I think have finished with the lovers and we'll see you next time with the chariot. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you're enjoying Fortune's Wheelhouse, won't you leave us a review on iTunes? It's more helpful to us than you can imagine. Even a sentence or two multiplies our reach so that other tarot enthusiasts out there like you, can find and enjoy the show. And if you'd like to have a chance at these amazing giveaways that we keep mentioning, why not become a patron at the $3 level or above? You'll be entered to win in our prize drawings, you'll gain access to the 78 Playlist Tarot Music Project on Spotify, and you'll unlock a treasury of patron-only esoteric content on our website. What's that website again? It's www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. We can't wait to welcome you to the wheelhouse community because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support. <laughs>